Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. I read an article in AARP magazine about Peg and her hiking and camping and something that her husband doesn't do, so I related to that because that's not what Amir does a lot of as the outdoor stuff. So I contacted her, and she and her husband, Paul, are quite interesting as open nesters in the prime of their story. Let's hear it from Paul and Peg. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast, Peg and Paul. Peg Rosen, Frederick, we are excited to talk to you about Act Three of Life as open nesters because I discovered Peg as writing an article about hiking on her own and how things are changing. And you guys have a lot of changes happening right now. So welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thanks for Thank you. Uh, I love the fact that you. Us. I, I love the fact that everybody from all walks of life always says Peg and Paul. It says, a, it says a lot to me. <laughs> well, I, I, I uh, said that I'm always my daughter's father or Tessa's husband. I never yeah. have my own identity. So don't feel uh -huh. bad, Paul. Uh, yeah. I don't have my own identity either. It is a man thing. Uh, and we live yeah. in the shadow of incredible women. That's oh, you, you know what? You know how many of those invitations in our generation used to say Mr. and Mrs.? Mm -hmm. And that it was the man's full name and the woman had nothing there. So it's kind of, it's okay. The things are, we're trying to rebalance situations here. Yeah. So, so give us an yeah. update about where you guys are. Peg, you were starting to say that you, uh, you had spent time in Jersey and Nashville. Just you have to repeat yourself. Yeah. Um, Paul and I, you know, I grew up in New Jersey. Paul grew up in Long Island. And um, I think both of us never dreamed of staying never dreamed of staying in those places. We always, I always thought I'd be in Montana somewhere. And I, I don't know where Paul was actually wanted to be, but he, he knew he never wanted to be in New Jersey. I knew I never wanted to be on Long Island for sure, but he ended up me, coming me to New Jersey. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he ended up coming to New Jersey. We had an absolutely fantastic life there. Um, raised the kids in a really great town. It didn't feel like New Jersey. Um, raised two kids there. Both of our mothers were around and still are alive. Uh, but we always dreamed of, you know, something else. Um, and as the kids grew up and out of the house, we had this huge house that was a pain in the neck and a money pit. And, you know. And how long ago was that? That was uh, 20 uh 2021 um our son graduated from college during the pandemic and um, i think we lived we were, out in montclair for about 23 23 years yeah and we loved it it was just a huge house like an old big troubled pain in the neck house but we loved it so when the kids left they it saw us through the pandemic and the kids came home during the pandemic um a couple of things happened. Um, my brother and sister, this is not irrelevant. My brother and sister and I grew up camping in the Adirondacks. And my mother and parents raised us there. 
and my mother was getting very old and couldn't um, really camp anymore. She was, it was very difficult. And so my brother, sister, and I bought this camp, like an old Adirondack mm. camp on an island in the middle of the Adirondacks in Lake George. So the three of us owned it together. And it was like this puzzle piece because that is the most important place also for Paul and for my kids. And having that touchstone enabled us to let go of the house. I think that that's our real, that's my spiritual home. And I think that Paul, Paul grew up to love it and my kids love it. And it, it let us let go of the house. So during the pandemic, we just, realize that we could throw the keys to somebody without doing anything <laughs> to the house. Mm. and we took the money and ran like we just there was so much to do in that house and we never knew how we were going to get out of there and this was just the opportunity like we just took the money didn't do a thing like walked out of the house and i think having that house up in lake george made it easy for us to say, you know what, let's rent an apartment. Like it, it didn't bother us. It wasn't a blow to our ego. I think both of us were so relieved to be rid of the house, which was just such a burden for us. It's, it's and we also, moved into this. It also gave you an opportunity to live in smaller quarters and you realize that you don't really yes. need all this space. And here, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like we, <laughs> we moved into this 1100 square foot apartment. Right. It fits nothing. And we have like one serving platter, one bowl, you know, couple of dishes. Right. And I used to say, I'll never, we're in the same town. Like, I will never be able to drive past the old house because it'll be too painful. We drive by on purpose to laugh <laughs> at the people in the house <laughs> because we're yeah. so happy right. to be in this teeny tiny place with a great gym and it's for the oldest people in the building, you know, um, it's walkable to everything. It's no longer around people with baby carriages. It's all young singles, young couples and people our age, but a great mix. It's racially more diverse. It's a fantastic apartment. And so we lived in the apartment for two years, very happy. And we were kind of still thinking about Nashville Why and um, Paul. Why Nashville? Why Nashville, Paul? Oh, uh, I've been working here for 20 some odd years. Well, coming down for 20 some odd years. And are you in the I music business? That, yeah. Yeah. I see, so a record, after, I see a record in a, in a frame behind you. Yeah, there are, there are a bunch of them. They're on the floor because we ultimately did end up um, getting a house in Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> so we figured we'd really screw things up. So we had talked about, well, you know, maybe we have a place in Nashville. It wouldn't hurt your business. And uh, it's kind of cool. And so we moved to like the Brooklyn of Nashville, which is East Nashville. Didn't move. It's just another place. Um, so we now have a house in Nashville, an apartment in Montclair, and this camp up in Lake George. So, and they're all really small. They're all teeny tiny. Like so, really small. So, so wait, have you taken the stock 
psychologically of how this is is shifting you at this stage of life, having really transformed all this big stuff into more of where you want to be at different stages. Like, how is that impacting you? And that's what I really want to hear. Like, what's going on for you now in your psyches, both of you, each of you? Good question. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Go ahead, <laughs> That's a good question. Well, I'd love to hear I think what you're we have to get Peg. past, like we gut renovated this house, which was really difficult and not anything that we, we bought this house sight unseen within three hours of seeing a listing. So yeah, um, a it was a lot, story. but I think that for us, I didn't, I didn't want to move to Nashville and give up Montclair because honestly we're getting older. And I felt like if something were to happen to Paul, I didn't want to be having given up my network up in Montclair. Um, but I didn't want fear to keep us from trying something different, right? So luckily, financially, we can do this. We're, we're not wealthy, but we we were able to get rid of that huge house, you know? Um, I think that having these discrete moving parts allows us to say, you know what, if Nashville doesn't work or something happens to one of us, we'll sell Nashville. You know, um, if, you know, when our kids um, move out of New Jersey, because one is in medical school in New Jersey and another is working in the city. And when my mom passes away, maybe we're going to have the moving part be a rental up in New England where my younger son wants to do his residency. You know, so suddenly instead of having this concept of we're mom and dad in New Jersey and everyone's going to, you know, visit us at the homestead, there's not been a, there have been downsides. Like we can't host Thanksgiving. We can't host holidays, you know, but my kids, you know, we couldn't, I I don't want to stay in the same place just for Thanksgiving. You know, um, right. there are other ways to have Thanksgiving. Yeah, we had a pool. Nobody slept it, swam in, and like it was. Just nobody slept in it t- either. Nobody <laughs> slept in it. You know, there were there was um, a lot of just twice a year people coming to that house. And did we really want to be there? And so I think by getting rid of that place, yes, it was hard for our kids, especially our youngest. Well, both of them, but it gives us flexibility in our life to have moving parts and we're not emotionally attached except for that one place up in the Adirondacks, which isn't even only our headache. I share it, you yeah. know? So we've so added you, fluidi- fluidity into our added lives. fluidity. I love that. And, and it actually, I think once we, rest- we stop restricting some of the, of the things that where we stay stuck, there are different things that can surprise us. So I w- that's what I was wondering, Paul, do you have anything to say about this kind of, new psychological mindset now like what what is it feeling uh, like for you i think that becoming a what an, open an, nester an, an open nester um for me was about liberation not a bad way but and how that it presented, manifested itself and it, and it presented opportunity to make mistakes so and to you know try things um, so we, we had Lake George is relatively new. It's four years that we've had it, you know, two years that we've had an apartment. So far, those don't seem to be a mistake. And now we just did Nashville and it doesn't feel 
you know, it feels it feels very natural for me. I've been coming here for a very long time, and I have a network down here uh, to some extent. But the attitude, and we have family, and the same the attitude's the same for me at least. Which is, at some point, we may move out of the apartment, and we probably will. You know, when our kids settle in to wherever the heck they're going to settle into that wasn't a mistake we're hanging out with our friends and um in the same town 10 minutes away from where we lived all those years and we're giving a go to nashville and it'll either work or it won't work you know we'll give some time you still have options how about attachment to your kids your kids needs like you were saying before peg like they were disappointed and how did you let them go through that transition of understanding that things are that that this is our stage of life to have this liberated time and 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 help and how have they how are they coming around to that like how's that all going i mean i gotta say they're just they're great guys like they're two sons and i think that they i don't think it's phony i think that they like noah will say to us you would have been idiots to stay in that house you know like you were right to sell the house and i i think something to bring in here is that they're watching my mother never made the change she stayed in a gigantic house filled with stuff and even after my dad died and she's still there she's 90 and it's a disaster the house is falling down around her this is my problem my sister's problem and we we're up nights all the time about it and part of the reason why i wanted to get out of the house is because a i already have my mother's problem coming down the pike but I never wanted to do this to my kids. Never. Like this has, this is a terrible situation that I'm in with my mom. And they saw it. And I said to them, I know it's hard now, but you will get down on your knees and thank me that I have dealt with my crap. And I've gone through the stuff and you will never have to deal with it. And they understand that because they see what I'm going through with my mother. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, this is really good and really telling and really important for us to look at. Like there's so much taking stock of all things in life when we get to these stages that we can look at and how we're going to convey that to our to the next generation is an important part of what we call this open nest. That's not so empty. You, I mean, you want you want I'm sure you have a little space for a kid to be able to stay with you guys, even if it's not a big house. And mm-hmm. so, so you have an opening of them being able to come see your new lives also. I mean, I think that that's a, a modeling we do rather than becoming a martyr. Right. Oh, I agree. Mm-hmm. Open nesting is truly means that uh, once your kids have left the house, once you, they are, each of them was kind of uh, going on their own direction, you were able to say, look, this is not a good situation for us. We can achieve so many things by selling a house and moving on. This is what open cause rather than, you know what, we are going to stay here like your parents, mm-hmm. what your mother did. And this is what open nesting is. It's op- it's opened you up to more adventures, to trying new places. And here you are in Nashville, even though, Paul, you are uh, been there already and you have a network there. You still an opportunity here. You are moving, uh, but you still have roots up in the northeast in New Jersey. So. Yeah. Open nesting is is fabulous, and you are an example of that for sure. It's scary. It's it's (laughs) funny because it's funny because there are people that say, "Oh, you're moving away." No, we're not. 
Yeah. You know, where you're, oh, you're going to live in Nashville now. No, we're not. You know, where the hell are you living? Wrong we wherever we, I mean, we were supposed to be gone last Saturday. It's now Tuesday? Yeah. Yeah. So we were supposed to be gone last Saturday. Peg's like, well, let's stay some more. We, we have all these things to do or whatever. So now we're staying through this week. And now Peg's talking about staying another week down here. So it's kind of like, you know, it's liberating. You can say that. And, you know, we got a place up in, 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 in North Jersey and it's kind of like, well, it's a rental. So we don't have to worry about a big house. We open the door and there's no pipes bursting or no, you know, you know, animal camped out in our, in our attic or anything along those lines, Uh, you know, and just to add, something else that the guys are our, our sons are watching while they're watching Peg's mom doing what she's doing. They are witnessing the polar opposite where my mother's concerned. My mother downsized when we moved, my father had, after a few years of my father had passed, she moved to an apartment. So upper she downsized at that on the upper West side of the city. So she kind of downsized on that, you know, fast forward 20 some odd years. My mother's 91 years old living in the city, which is kind of gobbling her up because you have to be able to move in the city and she's, you know, slowing down physically, but as her, she's completely. The pandemic was terrible for her. Yeah. So she picked up and for the first time in 91 years now is living in California in an assisted living place where it's kind of an independent living situation for her in an assisted living place. And my brother lives like 20 minutes from her. So now it's on him to take care of her rather than, than us. We, we did it for, you know, whatever, 50 years. The difference is that they're watching, they're watching Peg's mom do what she's doing. And they're watching my mom doing what she's doing. And it couldn't be, any it's polar opposite so they're getting to see both sides of this and observe both sides of this have you talked to them about that at all with the kids oh totally and also you know not not to try to make things right or wrong um but i think the fact that they're seeing a progressive uh realization of your taking the risk and more important closer to you at an age where you're mobile and still vital and exploring things and i want to talk about that peg what you guys do separately with hiking and adventure but the fact that they they're they're noticing these surprises and you're noticing them becomes a way for us to continue to learn and grow. And oh, so, yeah. not that one thing was right, this is wrong. Rather, that we don't have to put a judgment on it. We can really mm-hmm. just explore. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love and to- as Paul said, with making mistakes, like it's easier to mis- make mistakes now because we paid for college. We don't have kids who would have to leave the school system if we went broke or whatever. Like. We can make mistakes now. Yeah. You know? What do you it's, think the biggest lessons that uh, the kids got out of that polarizing situation with the with the mothers and you taking the risk to move on? What do you think they got from it? What, what you, I mean, there's two things. Say that again. What, what's because it what seems is, like you're asking, might be biggest, asking two questions. What was the biggest takeaway for your kids from witnessing the polarizing situation between the mothers? What do you, what do you think it was after you discussed it with them? That's why I ask. Go ahead, Peg. You go ahead. Uh, I think my own opinion is that I think they, um, I think that 
that they probably look at my mom and say, you know, she's got balls after 91 years to do what she did. I think that's probably the takeaway. So, so from, give them from watching courage. the two of them, give them courage to also be bold. I also think it's about responsive. That's my dog. Um, yeah, I think he's. I think it's also about taking responsibility for your life. Like I think, as we age, um, I think we have a choice to either make decisions, have other people make decisions for us. Okay. deciding to take the car away, decide, you know, having to move you out of your house, um, finding an aid, or you, you have to look ahead and be realistic about planning for your own life, you know, like not leaving it to your children. Like we want to make, we decided I didn't want to move somewhere when well, first of all, Florence decided to move. She made that move. Like we didn't force her into assisted living. You know, she was so depressed. She was all alone in that apartment. And I said, you're so smart. You're so on the ball. You're cognitively mint condition. Why are you sitting alone in your apartment? Either you got to figure out how to stay amused up here or make a change. And she did it. Um, for us, I didn't want to move. I didn't want the next move to be when we were retired and old people in a place or have someone move us like i wanted we wanted to move when we were still working and still to be part of the community and you know be dynamic you know and this but we it was like a hybrid you know this is a one-story bungalow with everything on the same floor it's really small it's 1800 square feet i can we can manage this um, the taxes are low, you know, it's affordable. We made the decision preemptively, right? It wasn't a have to, and nobody made us, you know? And I think my kids see with the mothers, my mother basically having uh, the terrible experience of taking the car away, you know, the terrible experience of forcing an aid on her, the horrible experience of the house, you know? And they see Florence making the decision on her own. And I think they see in us that we've made these hard decisions and they weren't hard because it felt really optimistic. This next chapter was a positive step and not, not a diminution of right. our life because we did it proactively, right? We didn't leave it for them to tell us what we had to do. Beautiful. You, you, you didn't leave it for faith or, or to some kind of a disease that forced you to no. be, you did, as you, as you mentioned, preemptively. And, and you know, I, I want to come back to this space that, that now that you have three places and three spaces and, and in general, how you're managing your lives now together and how that's kind of shifted between the two of you or opening yourselves up to things that you each want to do like penguin hiking like can you talk about that the two of you so paul what are you interested in when you come down to the <laughs> what are the things that you guys don't overlap on that you do that you give yourselves more space for why are you laughing like that <laughs> um i because i'm laughing about the the hiking and the camping and the oh. outdoorsy stuff or what have you um <laughs> you know i i was like I, I was looking for I was looking for a plug at one point to like blow up an air mattress while we were camping. Um, an outlet, 
<laughs> an outlet. Yeah, an outlet. Where's where's the electric? Yeah. Um, this is many years ago, obviously. <laughs> I, 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 you know, that's not that that's something like my, that would do. That wasn't my thing, you know. And this was to me, this was hardcore camping. And so I think we, I was doing that before we got the house, probably for thirty years. I don't know. I find, um, I found, I find. Um, I don't think that there's. I mean, off the top of my head, I don't think there's an interest that defines me. You know, like Peg is a is an outdoorsy uh, camping. Let's go, you know, hike and God knows where. And uh, and I think that in part that defines a lot of who she is. I don't have that. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that there are, there's something that. I I'm defined by yeah, my interests you, are kind of like what I'm doing at the, at, at that moment. I yeah. Think. But, but you have to have some interest in music. So you're probably your spectrum of music and music knowledge is probably very vast. Uh, you in, in that business. So you, you probably love concerts. I would say no live. concerts. yes. And no, I mean, I, I grew up, going to the opera when I was about six years. My mom was an opera singer and oh. she taught, she taught music for a very, you know, I was going to opera when I was like seven years old and it was sort of like, you know, I would fake sleeping in the back of the car. just so I had to talk about what I had just done. So I went through my early portion of my, you know, up to college, I guess was all theater and concerts and all that stuff. And I, you know, to some extent, now i look back on it and say well that was that was pretty pretty cool but i think along the way i taught myself how to play instruments and um and kind of fell into a job that involved music and because you knew that you weren't going to make it as a performer he was a performer well that's true that was easy that that didn't take much time to realize <laughs> um but there are things that I, I like about what I do. And there are things that I've just, you know, after the, 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 the I think, and, and I'm there, I'm probably, there's no crying on the yacht, you know, in, right. in <laughs> some ways people probably look at what I do and they might be like, well, that's, that's really cool. But at this point, it's sort of like, I've done a lot of stuff. <laughs> In, We're in, old. <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff, but I started doing this when I was about 12. So, um, but you also don't want to go to, you spend so much time going to concerts when you're working. It's kind of like the, I want to go to concerts. He doesn't want to go to concerts because that's all he does when right, he's working. And when you're 58 work. years old, hanging around at concerts, you know. And, and I mean, so, so, so what are you guys like doing together? What are your favorite things to do together? Let's start with that. I mean, go to that. We live in, a, in an 1,100 square foot apartment and an 1,850 square foot of the house. We pretty much do just about everything together that you can think of. We go on walks. <laughs> we like, I don't know. We, we don't got watch the a dog. Lot of we got, we, no, I, I mean, I'll, I'll, whatever's happening at the moment is kind of what we're doing. You know, it's like, want to go for a walk today? Oh, okay. That sounds like fun. You know. And we work together in the same house. Like we're very compatible. Like we, I see. we exist together. We breathe the same air. Right. Beautiful. Because sometimes it's amazing. It's sometimes just just the side by side doesn't have to be what you're doing, how you're being, and you can do it in all these new settings. Which to me is also the the new part of it. For 
that tried that that seems to me it keeps you re-energizing yourselves rather Absolutely. than the same things you've been doing. And, and that's yes. beautiful to see because we have interviewed many uh, couples that you know that are we'll say many several uh, that uh, now uh, staying together but living apart because they, <laughs> they do exactly the opposite. They had enough of that. So seeing the actual the actual opposite is really refreshing to see that. Well, that's when I you start know, to say that right and wrong is not is not. It's like yes. us, us identifying what our needs are, and then where we come together as we get older is where we become more authentic at this stage of life. So, so for example, hiking or what do you? What are the things that keep turning you on, Peg? I mean, the can hiking and camping. Are there other things that you do that you, now that you have more time and space to do? Not raising kids. Like, what's been your your gig? I think that. Um... I am an incredibly physical person. Like, I think if I lived in another time, you probably would have said I had ADHD. Like, I don't sit. I can't sit. I can't even watch television, right? And 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 I just or, want to or go, go to a movie, or go to a movie, or go to a movie. I can't sit in anything, you know. And so, I think if you look at Paul, me, you say, oh, they're so different. And yes, on that kind of stuff, you know, Paul's a much more mellow guy. You know, he can watch sports yeah. and do all that stuff. But that's just the superficial stuff. I mean, our values are the same. And we love our boys to death. And we just marvel and love being with them and love our friends and that kind of thing. Like, there's very deep happiness below the superficial actions and interests. So for me, what turns me on, honestly, and it, and it's written about in that story really is, you know, I, I love to read, you know, but I listen to stuff a lot because I can walk and hike and run. But I, anything outside, you know, I want to be outside. I want to be running. I want to, well, I want to do it while I still can. You know, if you asked me, you know, I want to ski, I want to, Paul does can't ski anymore, you know, so I, have a few people I ski with, you know, I want to run all the time. You know, I just, you know, I just, I trail run and I have those people that I like to me, it's, it's a hundred percent. What I, what turns me on is, is the physical and the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Like I, cause I feel like time is ticking and I can't not do it because it's not going to always be available to me. So we do what we can when we can. And you come from that. And both of you are coming from an abundant mindset rather than a scarcity by 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 exploring. So are there any other things that you'd like to make sure to convey or you would convey to people at this stage of life when your kids went off or ways that to approach things that you think a mindset would help? Nope. (laughs) Honestly, no. I think, (laughs) you know, it's funny because you know, what's your favorite this or advice for that? I think people have to experience what is in their, there. There's no advice that I should give somebody for how to live their lives. I'm not that qualified. <laughs> they People need to figure out their own relationships and, 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 and go on their own life journey wherever it takes them. And hopefully they, they embrace whatever they're doing, but, I don't, I don't believe in the, in the idea of saying to somebody, you should look at this and do that. You guys should be living this way or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I think that's for everybody else. For me, that's for 
that's for everybody else to find and figure out and follow and and do and experience. Well, that is the advice. And Peg, yeah. how about you? I mean, watching your friends or other other people that that um that have been successful at this transition in motherhood of being their own person, what would you say were some of the essential things that helps that help? I'm shocked by how happy people are. You know, like my friends, we all worked. I think that helps. Like we all had careers, you know. Um, but I think that like I look at all of my friends and their marriages have thrived once their kids left. This wasn't like, oh, who are you? You know, why are we together? I mean, most of my friends who are happy have sold their places, gotten rid of the house and kind of redefined themselves. Um, I, I, it's just been a, such a surprisingly, um, wonderful time of life, you know, and great for our marriage. I mean, right now we're really tired. You're tired. <laughs> you said to fall, we need to pray for each other for a day or something because <laughs> this renovation, you know, it's like kids, it's either closer together or farther apart. Like this renovation has been really, really awful. But we're, you know, we're like, we didn't murder each other. I mean, I don't know if, I think a lot of marriages probably couldn't have tolerated it. It was pretty terrible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that it's been a surprising time. And I think that, I don't think that we should dread our kids leaving the house. Because like, I love my kids more now. Like, they're so fantastic, you know, and they don't need to always come home for turkey dinner. Like, there's other ways to be with them. Right. Awesome. And, and, and I and I am uh, I I um, second uh, what Paul says uh, of giving advice. People need to make a decision on their own. But on the other hand, you can you know in our podcast we try to show other couples what's possible for them, uh, not by mm. advising mm. them, but here look at this couple, look at that couple. This couple is is uh, sold everything and opened up. Uh, uh, a cooking school in Tuscany. The other one took an RV and now they're wow. going around the country. You happen to uh, move and got closer with your family and with your wife. So it's, it's what we're trying to do here is really show other couples what's possible for them in that stage. And you certainly demonstrated what's possible by actually uh, uh, having the balls to just to pack up and leave rather than saying, you know what, uh, let's not do that. And here you are in the open nesting stage. You just expended. Yeah. I think just to, to close that thought, or at least what's on my mind is, um, I think what, I think what all, like if there was one thread or connective tissue between what we've done, Peg mentioning friends that are seemingly very happy in their marriages, what my mother's done, um, is that is that at a certain point you're afforded the possibility of making your own decision, where decisions aren't made for you. And that's the best place to be because to me that's what that's what being liberated is all about make a decision and you know you make a wrong turn on a on a on a trail as you're walking which we do pretty often you just figure out what the other trail is you know so i think i think if there there is something that's that 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 
that is that's a common thread. It's it's yeah. the ability to be able to make your own decisions and screw them up. And, and, and not to let fear drive us. You know, like you don't need the stability as much as when you had the kids. There is some license to make more mis- some mistakes. That is a profound statement. That is really cool. Bag. That's exactly it. That's the core of the matter. You can make mistake. You can afford to make mistakes, and that's true. That's a clear message to a lot of our audience right now. Thank you for that. This this has been delightful. I really it's been, really it's appreciate. It's been inspirational uh, for us, and I'm sure for the audience as well. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your time. Um, you know, thank you. you. It. It's been thank a pleasure you. talking to you. Tessa, that was truly an inspirational interview with a wonderful, upbeat couple that truly living it up in the open nesting stage, don't you think? Definitely. And doing it together with such just sweetness. It was great and delightful to witness that. I really enjoyed it, too. Here it is that uh, in the open nesting stage, the kids have left the house, but they are uh, they have an incredible relationship with their kids. Their core value with her and Paul uh, are just uh, fabulous to see uh, a couple that is such in sync uh, and actually making decision without any fear. And and I love the idea of it's preemptive. Like when we are not forced into something, I mean. Uh, Sometimes we're forced because our kids move far from us and then we feel like some people don't want to be far from their kids so they make new decisions. But it's still a, an, a, a, the choices that we have access to. And I like the way he talks about it being the time of liberation because it's an opportunity for us to make mistakes without repercussions. Absolutely, Tessa. I happen to agree with that. i so impressed with a couple that in the openness stage do everything together, live together, work together, I mean, in the same environment, and still different in many ways, quite impressive. And and that fear doesn't have to keep us from trying new things, because I love the fact that they are living in these three places now, and that they're willing to make the mistakes, and, and that I like how, how Peg refers to it as a discrete moving part, like they're continuous moving parts that, that maybe we will end up getting rid of one. And and how about that excitement of that we don't really know, but we're willing to try it. And and another thing that is very evident and they talk about quite a bit is the way the kids look at their grandmothers. Both of them are in a polarizing situation. One is stuck where she is, and the other one has been making preemptive decisions without any fear. So they can see it. They can see how uh, their parents spare them going through their stuff or having to deal with uh, with their estate. So uh, that is that is a great lesson that uh, not always available to kids in that stage. Yeah, and, and as far as choices, and kids could get upset about it because, oh, where are we going to go now? We don't have a home, one home that we grew up in where we could see our friends, and that's a change for kids. And so we have to be willing preemptively in the openness of stage to say, to ask that question, can we stop hosting Thanksgiving? I mean, you and I went away for, for, for a holiday for Passover once, and I remember the kids were like, wow, we don't have you doing Passover? And so it's making that shift preemptively of doing the things that we want to do yeah, and, and, and communicating that and with again, the kids that we want to be models for them of their lives. Making decision without fear. That's the motto 
of this whole episode. Yeah, absolutely. So if you like this episode, you're going to find some more episode on the Open Nesters uh, website, the Open Nesters, the double N in the middle, S at the end. We love to hear comments from you. Uh, if you know of anyone that may be a good, a suitable, uh, and able and willing to be interviewed on the podcast, we love to have that contact. And please do follow us on Instagram, The Open Nesters. And if you'd like to comment and be part of the discussion group in our closed Facebook page, The Open Nesters, and subscribe at any of your favorite podcast platform. Thank you for sharing because it really helps. And we're growing because of you. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Jessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. You have been listening to The Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer, Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio Engineering by Lucid Sound. Web Design and Blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.